Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Hello, and welcome to Discographology, the podcast where we all become what we most dislike. I'm Logan, here with the boys of more of that, Springfield's rockin' a stay-at-home band. Josh, I meant to mention on the pregame that uh, you had a birthday recently. Happy birthday. Thank Any, you. Any uh, birthday wishes you want to spoil? Uh, I, I, I couldn't think of anything, but I will say uh, the band we are covering, the album we're covering today, I went on the hunt for across the city uh, in the last couple of weeks because I really wanted to listen to it um, in physical form. And this town ain't got no in casino out. Oh, no. <laughs> it is nowhere <laughs> to be found. <laughs> <laughs> so my birthday wish is for a copy of In Casino out. Uh, well, it's a little late now, I guess, but, you know. Well, I yeah. guess uh, Blake Never had a too birthday, late. too, not too long ago. And Matt, a little bit further back. And we'll Shoot, we should just throw ourselves a collective birthday podcast episode. And we could get one of those blind CD bags from Entertain Mart and talk about its contents. Hmm? Yes, I like that idea. I- I bet that it will not contain it will in casino not. out. It, it will not. I can tell you that. <laughs> will, will it contain a single good record? No one knows. Ugh. Well, so we are covering at the drive-ins El Gran Orgo EP and their full-length in casino out. Uh, who'd like to tell us how you're connected with either of those albums, if there's any connection at all? I can tell you, this was my first time listening to either of them. Um, however. I do own, as I've mentioned, I think in our last episode, I own the uh, this station is non-operational, which is the best of compilation for At The Drive-In, and that has two songs from El Gran Orgo and has several from In Casino Out. So I was familiar with, I would say, maybe seven, seven songs at most, but everything else was brand new to me. I had not listened to it at all. So no real connection to it beyond that. Yeah, my... Mine is easy. Uh, no, also, no connection to either of these. Uh, my first time listening for all of the songs. Uh, same boat here. Um, t- totally new material. And I did it on streaming, I should say. Well, In Casino Out is available on, on Apple Music. El Gran Orgo was not, so I used files that Logan provided. How did you listen? Um, you said, Josh... I listened to El Gran Orgo on YouTube, uh, the old friend Chief Mojo Bear, who I think you've mentioned before, uh, has it up. So I listened to it that way. And then I think I listened to Casino out mostly on Spotify, uh, a little bit on YouTube when Beth was using the Spotify. So hmm. that was Matt, my it, mode. I wish <laughs> wish it was physical media, but could not find it. Right. Same. I, I was wondering if it was available. I, of course, listened on uh on YouTube uh, as well, YouTube Premium. Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm saddened, but not surprised to learn that that uh, it's not available in in physical form these days, at least here. Well, um, YouTube Premium making the big bucks. <laughs> I listen to it mostly on YouTube, but I also listen to it on vinyl, clear vinyl. 
Um, I have in Casino. Al. I saw. I looked that up. It's very pretty. Yeah, it's a it's a reissue, uh, but it's it's really cool. Uh, sounds pretty yeah. good too. Um, but uh, my only connection. So I think I'd mentioned in a previous the previous episode that my friend Aaron had played the Via EP when he came over for my 18th birthday, but I was incorrect. It was my 17th birthday in the year 2000. Mm. We get the in the year 2000 from Conan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was August, and I didn't really focus on the music when he played it. But I remember in September, I saw the one-armed scissor video on a MTV2 and remember that the band my buddy had, was telling me about was that that was that. And, you know, I went out that day and bought Relationship of Command. But in February of 2001... I ordered In Casino out in the mail from Fearless Records, and I got it on CD, um, and it was the same day as the first real Fatherton show in Osage Beach, Missouri, hmm. um, at Whoa. like the Elks Lodge, <laughs> um, and it was with locals, <laughs> a show of hands, and um, from Springfield, Sunswept East, and the Adrian Fortress, and I remember meeting the Adrian Fortress guys and talking about <laughs> at the drive-in and music. And I said, oh, I got in Casino out today in the mail. And it's I've listened to it, you know, on the way over here. It was awesome. Um, but that was a big first show for my band. You know, we made some money, sold some merch, and got to hang out with cool kids from Springfield. Well, you know, we we're still in high school. Uh, but I'll never forget that show and in Casino out kind of being the soundtrack of that time. So, hmm. all right. Well, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and talk about El Gran Orgo. Today we're talking about At the Drive-In's 1997 EP, El Gran Orgo, and 1998's full-length, In Casino Out. Before we get started, I'd like to give a shout-out to the following sources that I used. YouTuber Chief Mojo Bear, Podcast The Trap Set with Joe Wong, Eduardo Cepeda on Vice's Noisy, Mike DeRonco on AllMusic.com, Ian Gormley on exclaim.ca, Discogs, and thegreatrockbible.com. Thank you so much. It's been said that the night is always darkest just before the dawn. This unfortunately would be the case for El Gran Orgo EP and its controversial release. After recording their debut, Acrobatic Tenement, a considered failure by the band, at the drive-in went through yet another lineup change. After firing drummer Ryan Sawyer and guitarist Adam Amprin, the band brings in drummer Tony Hajar and bassist Paul Hinojos to finish the rest of the tour. Omar, at the suggestion of Tony, switches to guitar. This lineup seems to click for a time, but will come to a head when a falling out leaves the band's future up in the air. While all the details are dicey at best, it seems that there was a falling out at a Village Inn band meeting where Jim Ward decided to walk away from the band possibly due to a rift developing between Tony and Jim. It's unclear if there's a disagreement or if he's just burnt out at this point. Problems with Flipside Records seem to be brewing as well. Apparently the drug and alcohol abuse present for recording Acrobatic Tenement had hindered it to the point that Jim Ward's mistaken scratch tracks would be a direct consequence of this. To me, a couple of years touring relentlessly in a van with strained relationships can be a recipe for burnout especially when adding a messy divorce from Flipside Records. Eager to get things back on track, the band decides to move on without Jim, replacing him with guitarist Ben Rodriguez. It's unclear to me whether or not Ben is related to Omar, but I'm kind of doubting it at this point. 
The band signs a two-album deal to Off Time Records, ready to redeem themselves and make a focused EP featuring the newly revamped At The Drive-In. El Gran Orgo, or Orgo, a nod to a character in Alejandro Jodorowsky's film Santa Sangre, is recorded in January of 1997 by Brian Jones of Off Time Records. It is the first release not to involve Jim Ward. Again, Mike Major does the recording. They then set out on a 100-day tour to support the new EP, but delays with the distributor and label causes the EP to not even get released until September of 1997. More unclear controversy emerges as the band cancels the tour after only two weeks. Sources indicate a falling out with Ben Rodriguez, resulting in him being sent home. For undisclosed reasons deemed too severe and personal, Tony has stated that the band won't talk about it. After a lot of digging and reading of YouTube comments, there seems to be some information alleging that Ben was a sociopath, possibly tormenting and urging Julio Venegas to commit suicide. The Mars Volta song Concertina would later be rumored to be about Ben Rodriguez. Deflated by band and label struggles, At The Drive-In pressed on as a four-piece. In March of 1997, tragedy would yet again strike the band. A phone call brings news that Cedric's bandmates, 17-year-olds Laura Beard and Sarah Reiser from the fall on deaf ears, had both been killed in a car accident. Many local tributes were put forth. Even a 7-inch split with locals Egon and X Impetus was released, aptly named We Love You, We Miss You. Soon, another tribute would take form, but not quite yet. The band begin to lose patience with Off Time and gets manager Blaze James on the case to find a new label. They never even got a proper release party for El Gran Orgo. With little to no money coming in, and their new EP not even being available in stores, At The Drive-In and Off Time Records agree to go their separate ways for the cost of the studio time. This would enable At The Drive-In to become free agents that would eventually end up signing to Fearless Records in 1998. They went on to unsuccessfully sue Brian Jones for the master tapes that he apparently sold without their permission. The band would go on to urge people to illegally download El Gran Orgo and not to pay any money to the label. However, in more recent years, Jones has stated that a band reissue wouldn't be out of the question if Omar or Cedric would talk to him. He said he'd probably just give it to him. Despite their troubles, At The Drive-In's popularity was undeniably palpable, especially in the Midwest. They were beginning to draw crowds of 100 to 350 and were headlining. The EP includes the songs Give It A Name, Honest To A Fault, Winter Month Novelty, Intermission, Fahrenheit, Picket Fence Cartel, and Speechless.
So I really enjoyed this EP. So far, it's probably my favorite of the EPs. It's weird that Jim Ward isn't on this one because I didn't, I feel bad saying this, I didn't really notice for a while. Um, I think the first half of the EP sounds more like what we've heard so far, but cleaner and sharper. But after intermission, which by the way, do you guys know what that's from? That that sound uh, clip? I'm dying to know. I have I'm no idea, no. All right, well, I'm going to send you guys the video and I'm going to put it up on a, our... Uh, YouTube uh, at the drive-in playlist at some point once we finish the series, but it is a episode of Cops, and no, oh. <laughs> I found the episode at first. I've for some reason I was thinking like that almost sounds like I was struggling to hear it, and I thought it was like, uh, what's the the vampire movie? Uh, oh, from the um... Fright Night. Yeah, Fright I thought Night. Fright Night. As That's well. what I was yeah. thinking. I was thinking, was yeah. that that crazy, you know, friend that he had? That was the just friend. You know, yeah, That's right. What I That's what I thought it sounded like. But it's cops. This guy arrests this woman, and she's just screaming that she's hungry and that she's gonna bite bite this cop. And he's like, "Why are you gonna bite me?" And she's like, "Cause I'm hungry. I'm a vampire. I'm a very polite vampire." But what it doesn't <laughs> what it doesn't include is that the next thing he says is like, "Do you want some head?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I don't want that." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but anyway, uh, oh after intermission, <laughs> I really feel like it starts to turn into at the drive-in and the sound that they're beginning to foster, like Fahrenheit and Picket Fence Cartel sound yeah. distinctly at the drive-in. I think the addition of Paul and Tony has really helped. Uh, I like that Omar has switched to guitar. Uh, it sounds like a new band, but still them. And But it just sounds like they're ready to go out and play some great shows. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think uh, what's funny is Picket Fence Cartel and Fahrenheit are both on the best of. So I, I couldn't tell if it was... I, I'm glad to hear that you said that after the intermission, it sounds like they became that more of at the drive-in, you know, with those two songs, because I thought the same thing, but I also couldn't tell if it was just because I knew those two songs already. So, like, I was already thinking in my mind when I hear those, like, oh, that's at the drive-in, you know. Um, but I do have to say uh, the one thing that really grabbed me on this EP, and I agree with you that this is, I think, the best EP they've done thus far, um, but the song Give It, it a Na- Give It a Name, the first track... Is that not the most straightforward like pop punk song? Yeah, I was thinking drive about that. Into? It's and so it's funny punk. to me because it's such a. I mean, even the lyrics about like wearing your ring and stuff are such like late '90s, early 2000s pop punk emo lyrics. It's got a very tra- like you could follow the lyrics very clearly, uh, clear verse, chorus, and I think it's kind of Don't funny. Don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's kind of funny because. Maybe I'm the only person that thinks this way, but I feel like there's a tendency to think like, oh, Jim Ward is the more pop punk emo influence in the band. Because, of course, after they break up, he goes and does Sparta. And that's the much more straightforward emo kind of band uh, between that and Mars Volta, which is much more experimental. But yet... On this, when Jim Ward is absent, they do this very straightforward pop punk song that I would almost assume would have been Jim Ward's, you know, influence. But I guess, guess not. Maybe um, it was left I do over. like that song. I don't 
I don't know. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, could, could it have been written earlier? I, I do like that song, though, but it is of its time, very clearly. Uh, but, but that's the only thoughts I really have on the EP. Uh, anybody else got any thoughts on El Gran Orgo? I think it does get, get better later on. Um, and it's almost like the, the band is evolving over the course of the, of the EP. I mean, right off yeah. the bat, though, you can tell the production value has gotten a big upgrade from the things that we've heard in in, in the previous episode. And um, and that's a very good thing here. I, I like that they continue to do more like time signature switches over to 6-8 in songs like Fahrenheit and I believe also in Picket Fence Cartel. The just the creepy ass vibe of intermission, when whether it's like a little short throwaway or not, I I love the vibe. I'm like, is this is this a tool like interstitial thing? Because <laughs> it's got those like those uh, dissonant spooky chords and like weird sound bites <laughs> from the most horrifying episode of Cops ever. I, I guess. <laughs> the, and the the chorus on the bass uh, really. Uh, br- brings home that that tool uh, element. I I thought the same thing. Yeah, uh, Blake. And yeah, and it's got like a lo-fi sound to to the music, um, and then it of course it comes back in full force with with Fahrenheit. I I really dug the way they did that, and it's kind of audacious to put an intermission on an EP, <laughs> but um, you know, three songs, then an intermission, and then three more songs. It's 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 not crazy. I I I'm down with it. Yeah, I, I, I liked it more than the previous EPs we've listened to for sure. I, I think it's it's. I would agree that it's the best uh, of the EPs. Um, I very much hear that that uh, very straightforward um, pop punk influence on, on "Give It a Name," and um, that kind of turned me off a little bit. I mean, it, it's it's a good pop punk song, but I don't know that it, it, it's it's kind of a. Um, it kind of sticks out, you know. It's it's not what what you uh, what you expect to get from uh, from an at the drive-in record and at the food but court. I, I do still think it's a good song. It, it's oh yes, it, it's very much mall uh, a, a mall song. I I do like the the guitar work on it though. The uh, uh, the triplet chugs uh, just it's very much. Uh, I, I think Josh, you said of its era. You know, you, mm-hmm. you listen to that and it's like this sounds like nineteen ninety seven. But uh, uh, best of the EPs, I agree, and and I agree on the uh, the improved uh, production. Uh, everything sounds a lot clearer and a lot better. I think my favorite, if I had to pick a favorite track, I think I would probably pick Fahrenheit. I think that was that was the big standout for me. I do like Picket Fence Cartel quite a bit, but uh, Fahrenheit checked all the boxes for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I would go with Picket Fence Cartel was my my fave. I was also going to say Picket Fence Cartel is the banger. I, I love how it took um, Plastic Memories that we talked about on the previous episode. And it, it was like, well, we like parts of this song. Let's condense it. Uh, it was too long and slow. Uh, you know, cut out all the trim the fat. We're not going to waste any time. We're just going to get to the banger parts. And I thought it was really interesting that they uh, they reused the we've become what we most dislike but they they put it into a six eight thing where i i feel like the those lyrics fit better in that and it sounds a lot cooler than uh than in plastic memories that's that's a really effective moment i i think that's probably my my favorite on, on the ep as well 
I should also mention I I watched uh, Santa Sangre. <laughs> I tried to. Oh yeah. I tried to. Um, my copy is, is Saint like Blood. a is a boot like a bootleg copy, and it crapped out like it kept crapping out oh, like no. halfway through. So it was it was pretty interesting. What? But the uh, El Gran Orgo character was like this like a circus master that was like cheating on his his wife and his kid was witnessing it all he was cheating on her with like this tattooed woman like <laughs> wearing just like nothing pretty much the entire time but it, it, if you've ever seen any Trying to bite cops if you've ever seen any Alejandro Jodorowsky movies <laughs> like Holy Mountain or uh El, El, uh I love his dune do <laughs> yeah i wish that would Wish, wish that would have happened. Logan, for a minute, I thought you were doing a Jeff Foxworthy there. As, if you've ever seen, <laughs> you might you ever be seen Yodorowsky's dude. You dude. might be, you might be a Criterion collector. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody you might have access to an alternate dimension? <laughs> uh, does anybody have anything else they'd like to say about El Gran Orgo before we move on? I think Winter Month Novelty is also good. <laughs> right on. I like that song, too. I, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's a good EP. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about In Casino Out. After the El Gran Orgo fiasco, At The Drive-In were in need of a new label. At the time, no indie labels were willing to take a chance on At The Drive-In. A lot of those labels garnered to specific genres that At The Drive-In just didn't really fit in with. However, Bob and Michelle Becker of Fearless Records caught the band when they opened for Supernova at a bar called Club Mesa. Fearless Records were predominantly known as a pop-punk label, but everybody in the band seemed to like and trust Bob and Michelle. It would be soon after that they signed and began recording their new full-length In Casino Out in early June of 1998. Here, the band would really step up their game, and the lineup would become solidified. Jim Ward returns to the band. With producer and mixer Alex Newport of Knapsack and Death Cab for Cutie, the band recorded the album live in about three days. They recorded live to try to catch their intense live energy that they were known for. The group recorded at Doug Messenger's, the guitarist for Van Morrison, in North Hollywood, and Revolver Recordings in Costa Mesa with engineer Andy Troy of Fearless Records. An additional two days were spent mixing at Paramount in Hollywood. The album was released on August 18, 1998. Due to time constraints, Cedric has gone on to say that they didn't really get to fully explore some of their intended ideas for the album, somewhere around 30%. Time is money, I suppose. The song Hourglass features Jim Ward on main vocals and keys. Marcel Rodriguez, Omar's brother, plays additional percussion on Chanbara. Jeremy Ward, Jim's cousin, does the outro on Lopsided. Jeremy would go on to form De Facto with Cedric and Omar, and later the Mars Volta before his death in 2003. It would also feature the track Napoleon Solo, written by Cedric in tribute to Laura Beard and Sarah Reiser's deaths. This would become a setlist mainstay, known for its heartbreaking lyrics and powerful performances. 
you can definitely hear the sadness they captured into the recording. All Music gave it four stars. Drowned in Sound, a 10 out of 10. And in 2016, the album placed as number 20 on Rolling Stone's 40 Greatest Emo Albums of All Time. So let's talk about the first track, Alpha Centauri. So this is a fantastic opening track just right out of the gate, I think. Uh, As soon as the drums kick in, I just get super pumped. Uh, The lyrics, uh, hear them talk in paranoid parables. I really like that lyric. It makes me think of Cedric's unique lyrics and vocal deliveries. Like, are the bulls loose in a Spanish space station? Will flesh persevere against the machines? Are the bulls they speak of a metaphor for our like economy barreling through our natural resources or environment what does this song mean to you guys i i have no idea (laughs) after the last (laughs) album i think i stopped trying to exactly figure out what the the lyrics mean um i'm still going with the whole impressionistic lyric uh thing for for this band uh i will say though they have cedric has a great way with the phrase you know, um, bull in a China China shop. The way he uses it in this song, both uh, I mean, whatever it means, I don't know what it means exactly in this context, but how it it also kind of fits with the just craziness and frenetic energy of the song. You know, like he is the bull in the China shop. You know, um, destroying everything. It makes me think back on the last album, the whole William Tell routine thing, like how they just mm. have this good way of choosing a certain phrase that kind of sticks in your brain and and using it to good effect on the album that was that was the main thing i kind of thought about with that with that lyric and the full lyric here's a matador is just a bull in a china shop and i i really Mm. i I like the 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 interplay or or kind of the juxtaposition of of the the mad the bull in the china shop is usually kind of a, a destructive image but the matador is is who destroys the bull uh you know just and just kind of that 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 transitive uh destruction of the matador to to the china shop um this song is great uh keeping uh with their uh their ability to to really um come out of the the gate swinging um there there's there's no sailing all alone uh to to get stuck in our head but um but the guitars sound amazing on this um i really like the the interplay of i i think it's jim ward who's who's doing the uh the kind of quickly picked uh harmonics and and kind of that that higher register and 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 omar's coming in with uh uh, with with the octaves uh, on the fuzz, it it just all really is is very propulsive. It, it sticks together. Um, it, it it really um, 
let you know that that, that something new is coming. Uh, I, I didn't have much to say about uh, El Gran Orjo. I mean, it, or Orjo. I liked it, but when I when I put this on after listening to to L uh, to the EP, I, I was just blown away. It's it's in a whole whole new class for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, uh, right off the bat, you're like, oh, this this production is is, is worlds better. Um, it stuck out to me that like just the drum tone and especially that snare that that it's crisp. Just, uh, that snare whips some ass right out of the gate, you know. Um, I, I love the snare sound across the whole record. Um, I I, th- I think there's a better mix of um, singing versus yelling. Um, I mean, we still have both, and both are good. But I I I think he he's getting into more singing this time around. Um, and am I right that I mean, other than the song that Jim does later on hourglass is there it sounds like there's less jim singing on the other songs on this record does that sound right they do some good back and forth i feel like on this okay. record there's some there's it's hard some, to I tell mean, we're going to talk about uh hula hoop wounds later i feel like hula yeah. hoop wounds is, is really back and forth oh but, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about hula hoop wounds <laughs> <laughs> um, i do want to i do want to mention by the way alpha centauri uh much like the last album starts with star slight we've got another yeah. star reference to and, start us off yeah, with it's also 11 of, tracks like they're uh, oh. yeah acrobatic tenement is 11 tracks you know how many albums we've done that have 11 tracks i feel like almost it's all a of good them. number it's a good number of tracks i i heard someone say that 11 is the uh, the perfect number of tracks for now i don't remember but how many it's like a nine, 90 minute movie you know but how yeah. many of them have have do you think there really should have been 11 tracks i feel like a lot of them are like oh, it would yeah. have been better if they would have left that that sleeper you're track right. off or whatever <laughs> you're right someone mentioned uh the astronomy themes i i, I want to take a minute to to talk about the cover um i really like this yeah. cover also uh the the radio antennae are are a great uh, a great image it makes me think of the movie contact i don't know if anybody uh remembers watching contact oh yeah but, watched uh, it recently slaps <laughs> but uh but uh I, I like the that in is in kind of a, a a more faded font in both at the drive in and in casino out uh it, it's it's a great image to to kind of accompany the the music. I think. Before we get to it, did Logan? Do you have any idea what the title of the album may may be alluding to? Am I just dumb? Well, I think a lot of the imagery that they tend to use, like I I see like a lot of shady business deals going down. There being like surveillance vans and like ambulances and you know someone's getting incarcerated in the space station and you know all, all these types of imagery that it you know i wonder if it's like they're gonna like rob the casino we're gonna get in and we're gonna get out we're gonna yeah. get in the casino and out like i don't know if it's some kind of like some yeah. operation they've got or, oceans 11 yeah so I, that's what i always kind of imagine because for, just for a lack of knowing anything better to <laughs> I, I i think you're right logan um i in looking for some some live uh, versions of these tracks, because I always like to hear hear the live stuff too. I, I heard uh, Cedric talking about. Uh, I, I think I think it's kind of a metaphor for life as well. That you know everything in your life is a gamble, and and uh, you know you come into the world and it's a, and the world is a casino that you're in, and then you leave. Uh, you know for for the stars uh, again. Um, so mm. it, it, they're definitely. Oh, I like that. Uh, 
they're definitely dealing with some some you know some some big themes. I I, I think. Hello. Yeah. And those those themes definitely involve <laughs> satellites and spaceships and astronauts and stars. I do know that much. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to our second track. I don't know if I'm uh, pronouncing it correctly. Shanbara. Shanbara. Let's do it. Sounds about right. Oh, this song is sick. It just slaps the chanclas right out of your abuelita's hands. As <laughs> soon as the guitars and the bongos kick in, I am just on board. We have a lot of interesting words being used. Uh, first up is Valmara. Valmara, a type of landmine. Ayachuco, uh, the capital city of Ayachuco region, uh, region and of Huamanga pro- province in Peru. Uh, de facto, a term meaning in fact or in effect, whether by right or not. This would also be the name of Omar and Cedric's dub group side project with Isaiah Ike Owens and Jeremy Ward, which would eventually become the Mars Volta. Tour de Force, which is an impressive performance or achievement that takes great skill. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it Fletchette. Flechette, flechette, uh, which is a French word. I don't speak French, obviously. Sorry. Uh, word, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> which is a French word for a small dart-like type of ammunition or a missile. Uh, the song title, Shambara, is a type of martial art similar to kendo. Um, but my favorite lyric is, Necro is the Velcro on the charred appendage. Oh, man, this song just <laughs> rules. All the energy is there, and it just checks all the boxes. I, I think, uh, and, and I'm not the first person to come up with this. If you go to the Genius.com thing, they, they talk about this. But um, what they kind of alluded to there is that this is a very anti-war song because a lot of the, the references to landmines, to mm-hmm. charred limbs, to the bullets, um, apparently Aya Kuk. Chuco, or is that how I say it? The Peruvian city was uh, named by Simon Bolivar during his uh, independence fight from Spain because he saw so many bodies lying around. I guess Ayacucho means something about bodies. So um, it seems like an anti-war kind of song. Um, and but but I don't know. Who knows? I think you're um, you're onto something there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I agree, Logan. the The bongos and the Spanish lyrics give it a very like Latin feel, almost yeah. out, out the gate, and, and that's that is a very like I feel like that's almost a hallmark about the drive-in in some ways. And Mars Volta is like combining some of those more Latin elements with mm-hmm. the like rock stuff. So uh, that this is the song where as soon as it starts, you're like, okay, this is what this band is and should be uh, most of the time. Yeah, you... uh, I also want to throw out there that I really liked the breakdown, kind of halftime, the rhythm section used on the I'm not biting the lead pencils broken again part. You know what I'm talking about? If you've, yeah. if you've heard it, you know what I'm talking about. It's a very well-worn oh, yeah. uh, kind of second wave emo trope of going to that halftime rhythm on that yeah. part. But it, it works very effectively on this song. 
Uh, Josh, I think I have that down in my notes as well. Eight on the floor at about 149. Uh, but yes, that, that works really well. Uh, th- this song is, is a great, uh, great second track. You know, we talked about the bongos, the, the, the Latin, uh, kind of the, the, the Latin elements, um, included with that. I really like the, the guitar chords. I, I think it might be a major seven add nine, but just that, that kind of, um, very dissonant, uh, yeah. Chord, chord that he's just, that uh, was a question. Like. That was a question I had for you, Matt. Actually, was what was that chord? I call it a uh, corn chords, uh, but I, uh, I I like yeah. u- utilizing that style of chord. I, I, I just like making them. I, I like how they sound. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no, it, it, you're you're right. It, it is. I, I like the I like the notion of corn chords. Uh, but we would have to spe- also spell chords with with, with the- a K. <laughs> Backwards oh, yeah. R. K O R D. The. Uh, Oh dear God! What a tangled web we weave. Line, uh, you know, it, it it's a great line. It works here. It it gave me vibes of uh, the uh, can't afford to be neutral on a moving train it, in that in that so ads uh, song. I forget if it's Dear Dancer, um, prison song, or what one of those songs. But uh, I feel like the bridge. It's marked down here on Genius as the bridge. The uh, the all we are. Our failed attempts propelled like by still leg presidents. Those are good lyrics. I, I feel like it kind of loses momentum a little bit there. I, I think that's kind of a more contemporary um, chord progression that the, the Latin feel kind of falls apart there. So I don't think this is quite as, uh, uh, as it's not as strong as, as the first track, but, uh, but it, it definitely uh, sets, you know, sets another theme and, and, and really carries it through uh, that we'll come back to through the record. Um, I'm just now looking this up, but I think Chanbara, rather than being Spanish, is actually Japanese and might mean sword fighting. Yeah, kendo. Uh, used to dis- yeah, so martial uh, arts. I think maybe to describe a subgenre of samurai film where there is sword fighting. That That's what I'm seeing on the internet, at least. Um, but yeah, you know, fighting with swords and stuff. Uh, it, it's a song about uh, violence and war. It, it, it kicks ass. I don't have much to say that hasn't been said. Love the way it, it blasts out of the gate with, with that awesome beat accompanied by bongos and the dissonant corn chords. This is maybe at the drive-in at, at their most Rage Against the Machine-y, um, which, which is a good thing, but that they're obviously a, a very different band, but I'm they sure that They opened for Rage, I, I believe, didn't they? Did. They, uh, they did. Which, goddamn, what a crazy concert. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, <laughs> be a very lot. intense. <laughs> a, just a lot. I'm, I'm sure those comparisons have, have been drawn a lot. But when that, when it dies out in the verse to just uh, Cedric's shouting and, and, and pure rhythm, it's like, oh, I, I think I, I recognize this. And I, I I've I like got some, some rage yeah. shout outs later in the, in the record. Okay. But, cool. but, um, but it's I, definitely here too. I didn't. I didn't think Alpha Centauri was the strongest point of the album, but the the energy, uh, you know, is is kicked up like like ten times higher on this track. I loved it. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I think it almost has this Iggy Pop kind of feel when he's like, "Necro is the Velcro of the chart appendage." <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> has this Iggy Pop kind of flair to it too. Like I can just see him strutting around, just like <laughs> I don't know. It's so awesome. All right, well, let's move on to track three, Hula Hoop Wounds. Yeah, 
right, so this is a fun song. Uh, you have more of a straightforward lyric structure this time around, but still are kind of unclear on what is being said. Uh, the opening lyrics paint a picture of a small arcade. This is this is unconfirmed, but someone online said that Cedric has said that it's about how small record companies will do over a band and use them and lose them. Uh, running to put your quarters in could be implying that record labels will run to capitalize on a band but drop them if they don't turn a big profit. Uh, one live performance dedicated this song to Sid Barrett and the spirit of what he taught. Uh, but I also think Jim Ward sounds really great on this one. Uh, but uh, I, I like this track a lot. What do you guys think? I I don't uh, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to take from what anyone else has to say, and I feel like Matt has some thoughts on this one. I, I will say uh, I agree this is one of my favorites on the album. Um, it is a great almost a progression like i feel like if you put give it a name on one side from the el gran orgo ep and then you put this song and then you put i don't know napoleon solo the next one you get this full spectrum of at the drive-in because this is like the perfect midpoint between the more straightforward emo tendencies of this band and the more experimental tendencies of this band and i feel like it just is the it balances so well in this song. Um, the one band I thought of with this, and and I think they're contemporaries, so I don't think anybody is taking from anyone else's Thursday. I don't know if anybody else got Thursday vibes or if anybody has listened to a lot of Thursday. I have. But the back, the back and forth vocal parts um, especially kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Although, again, I think they were contemporaries, so... Um, they probably were kind of doing a similar thing at the same point, but anyway, uh, Matt, uh, go well, off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I texted you guys, uh, the other night that I'm, I'm going to need a, a half hour for the song. <laughs> I, I will not need a full half hour for the song, but bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Patreon, uh, content mm-hmm. I, where I, the uh, wax rhapsodic, uh, o- over one song. Uh, this song is easily my favorite at the drive-in song that we've heard up to now wow. I've, I've 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 been keeping relationship of command kind of in reserve because i want to i want to come at it clean good, good, but good. uh yeah but same. i i was just blown away by this song uh, and i may have talked about this phenomenon before but uh a lot of times if i'm listening to a new record and one song really lands with me i'll just want to i'll just listen to it six times in an evening and then you know another five times the next day just to really get get every little nook and cranny because everything works here uh it, it all comes together josh you mentioned the balance kind of between the 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 emo and, and pop punk elements and and uh the more experimental you know time signatures and things that they do that's all here um i love the 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 wordless intro with those 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 high um high guitar bends uh just you know great kind of guitar interplay and 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 harmony that that they play together and then of course uh just that verse um you know the the, the Jim Ward's kind of ringing uh I think he played playing a telecaster I've seen him playing it live uh with with the vocals uh it comes together so well the chorus hits so hard um there's there's just you know not enough that you can say about this one thing that, that that kind of took me several listens to notice is that the the hook and sinker line where it's very kind of staccato and 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 um 
and and drummy, it's the same progression as that wordless intro uh, that just kind of really kind of ties the the piece together. Uh, and you know, they, they kind of come back in after the um, after the ring out, and they go back to the uh, the arpeggiated uh, verse chords. There's there's just not enough I can I can say about this, so I'm going to let somebody else say something. Ooh, that puts pressure on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't know from Thursday, but am I am I crazy if I got Blink 182 a little bit at least at the beginning like that the arpeggio that arpeggiated part is is I can right? see that for sure yeah and in fall in you know any any time you have you have two guys singing back and forth at each other with a pop punky slash emo bent to it accompanied by that arpeggio uh, i don't know blink 182 comes to mind i do want to point out by the way uh sorry to to interrupt your thoughts here blake but you're fine matt the one thing i I, when you said you had you went in 30 minutes on this one um i thought i bet the thing matt loves about this song is that second chord of the chorus they do like that i can't think of what it's called but when you take the top note down a half step it sounds like they do that you know what i'm talking about that second yes, chord I, and i was like that is a matt like that is a thing matt would love like that kind of progression so yeah just wanted to point yeah, that, that one out the, those two chords you're, you're are, are great and then also um da-na-na, da-na-na-na. oh it, it just hits so hard <laughs> all right sorry blake we interrupted you though do you have any no, other thoughts I, on hula hoop wounds i I I don't have any I don't have much other than uh I feel like there were I feel like I'm on the other side of this now like when there were a few like uh Heim songs when I was just like um this is the greatest song I've ever heard and the best pop song ever made and and that that that's a no-brainer and and that's that What do you her- no what one- do you heretical assholes think of you heretics <laughs> I mean, uh, in my in my dumb mind, I'm like, surely no one could disagree with me. Um, I, maybe I'm missing something. This is not my favorite song. <laughs> um, I don't harbor any ill will against hula hoop wounds, but it's not my favorite song. I almost I almost feel like the chorus has intonation problems. Perhaps I'm hearing it wrong. I don't know. Um, I will say that I do like that the part where he yells the the hook and sinker. Uh, I think it's the bridge that Matt did re- refer to. Uh, I like that. Um, it's it's all right. It, it didn't it didn't make my top tier of songs. So let's move on to track four, Napoleon Solo. So we've already discussed how this song is dedicated to and inspired by Laura Beard and Sarah Riser of the Fall on Deaf Ears. I think the would you call them arpeggios at the beginning, or yeah, I, think uh, so. I just think they're really pretty and hypnotic. 
Uh, I can't really say enough good things about this song. The lyrics are very straightforward in a way, and they really capture some heavy feelings associated with someone in mourning, obviously. And I feel like Cedric really pushes his vocals to new and exciting limits. Um, It's just a great performance from the band. And one of the most gut-wrenching tracks on the album, no doubt. And one of the most, I don't know, that I've maybe even heard. It almost has a similar flair that Initiation has. Um, Hmm. But uh, I'm just a... Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of this track, obviously, and uh, I don't really have anything else to say about it other than that. I, I think I think quite a few people are fans of this track. I, I was yeah. looking at uh, – I forgot to mention Ch- Chanbara is on the best of – this is on the best of Pickpocket. The next one is also on the best of. This also has is the only song from this album to be in the top ten most played on Spotify. So it, it clearly is is a fan favorite one that a lot of people um, really, really like. I really like this one as well. I, I was very familiar with this one before listening to this album because um, on the when I picked up that Best Of CD years ago, this was one that like immediately stuck out to me, and I was like played it a lot um, back then. So I, I knew this one pretty well, and yeah, it is very good. Uh, great dynamics in this song, just just how everything fits together. But I think kind of like you're, you're alluding to Logan, I can't necessarily tell you the one specific thing I really liked about this song. It's just overall, I really liked it, but I can't pick out like, okay, this part is great. This part's great. It's just all of it works very well together. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think this is a great track. Um, I, I like where it's placed in, in the track listing, um, you know, it, we've we've had the intensity pretty high for three songs, and and we kind of uh, bring the tempo back, if, uh, if not bringing the intensity back. You know, obviously it's a very uh, intense subject matter and and, and intense performance. Um, really good guitar interplay here, uh, not just on those arpeggios, but also in kind of a, a, a pre-chorus line where it's just the, the, the two guitars together. I, I really liked, uh, liked those tones, probably not as, uh, as plus uh, about this one as, as the other guys. Uh, but, um, but I, I think it works, uh, in the context of the album and, and I, you know, it's a good song. Yeah, I like it too. And I, I, I really like how it's a, a, a big dynamic shift that, maybe shows us another mode they can go into. Um, I think maybe I, people of you guys were saying, uh, you, maybe you can't pinpoint exactly what it is about the song. The, you like the, you like it overall. I think what this song does best is to set a mood or an atmosphere. Mm. And, um, I, I think that's why I didn't look deep into lyrics or anything. And I did not know about um, uh, this tragic death of Laura and Sarah. Um, so that adds like so much heaviness to the song that I didn't even know uh, was there, but my God, and this band is so, so beset by tragedy. And I know that it, the tragedies aren't over yet, which is like, uh, it's hard to wrap your head around, but uh, I think, I think it was a great decision to put this one in, in three, four. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's it's an awesome vibe, and then it you know the dynamics shift down so much, but then it gets huge again on the chorus. I, I really like that. It, it it is the longest song, 
but I think with its atmosphere, it earns that. Both this one and, and the last one, I think, uh, show kind of a, a growth in their their uh, sense of melody as well. And that's something we've kind of talked about before is that, that yeah. there's not as much melody there, but but there's there's some great vocal melodies on uh, on this as, as well as on on Hula Hoop Wounds. Yeah, this album has has a lot of great, uh, especially chorus melodies, I think. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to track five, Pickpocket. I think this is a cool guitar song. Like as a guitar player, like I just get excited listening to this song because there's just a lot going on. Uh, this track drums up all kinds of different uh, types of imagery, uh, two sides against each other in a frigid nuclear w- winter, uh, <laughs> missing children on milk cartons, dead bodies being identified by dental records, uh, killers luring their victims into a trap, uh, the more caliber per capita line is really catchy, very interesting. Is this song about governmental forces sneakily stealing from the people when they aren't looking, you know, pickpocketing them? Uh, I don't know, but I, I really enjoy the track. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun, and I, I enjoy a lot of the guitar parts. Let me tell you what I think this song's about, Logan. I think it is about a salad master coat. Because I thought he was saying salad master coat for so long. And I'm like, what instead the, the hell is instead a salad master? Instead of Technicolor dream coat, it's the salad master coat. And I, it's, it's, and then, it's alabaster, I mean, what, alabaster cold. coat. Cold. Okay, that, that cold? makes a lot more sense. But I was just like, <laughs> salad master Jesus. coat. Um, Blake. I know you like this band uh, that I'm going to mention here as well. Uh, and Logan, I, I bet you've listened to this band as well and, and enjoy them. But I got really major dismemberment plan vibes from the beginning. I thought you were going to say say anything, but no, yeah, the, that, that just, too. just the frenetic like rhythm section stuff. I think yeah, the bass yeah, is yeah. kind of going crazy and the drums. And it just it reminded me of a D-Plan song, which is not a bad thing, yeah. by the way. I love dismemberment plan um especially emergency and i uh the, by the way logan the more caliber per capita line have you noticed how much he loves alliteration on this album oh yeah because <laughs> we had we had web we weave tangled web we weave there was one on the first track as well and now i don't you said it earlier and i don't remember what it is now but then caliber per capita he just loves the alliteration on on this album um this one's kind of a second tier one for me but still pretty good i would not skip it if i were listening to this album however it's not near the top for me yeah this song is just fun i there there's there's so many different things that they that they kind of pack in to to a, a relatively quick runtime and um yeah, I, I hear I hear D plan, uh, Josh. Like you said, um, I, I love that that kind of high. It's not it's a riff, but it's uh, it's it's kind of just a lot of single notes. You know, single note melody uh, guitar part uh, really works. And this is the first Rage Against the Machine moment for mm. me. The more caliber per, per capita, you know, just the line uh, and the bass tone. Uh, really, really feels like something uh, 
that could have been on Evil Empire to me. And there's another track later on that I think also has uh, has that property. But um, yeah, I, I think this is a great tune. Um, you know, right in the middle of the album and right in the middle of the pack. Yeah, this is a top tier song for me. I mean, it it uh, it checks all of my boxes. It uh, it blasts your ass off straight straight from the top <laughs> starts starts strong it's it's super up tempo uh hyper energetic it's it's infectious with its melody and riffs um and it's brief so all my favorite things um is that do i hear a double kick uh something i i'm not used to hearing in uh so far in at the drive-in but uh, i don't know if anyone else can confirm Ooh. or deny a double kick. i think in the chorus i'll have to go back maybe and listen yeah, if you listen real closely, there there might be a double kick in there somewhere. Um, if there is, I, I like it even more for it. But yeah, I love Pickpocket. What can I say? Awesome. Well, for now, I think maybe we should all raise our glasses and have a nice <laughs> drink because uh, for now, we can toast. So this song isn't one of my favorites, um, but I do like several things about it. Uh, The lyrics seem to insinuate some kind of escape from an internment camp or prison, digging themselves a tunnel out. It made me wonder if it could be inspired by the Steve McQueen movie, The Great Escape, or alluding to some kind of scenario about book burnings, or how information can be censored. Uh, I think the chorus really helps bring me into the song. The verses are a little lackluster to me. Um, kind of some cool guitar bends here and there. It's not a bad song, but it's not really exciting to me either. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, th- this is the beginning of a stretch of ultimately kind of forgettable songs for me on this album. Like, this, among some others that we'll get to, I was like, I cannot remember for the life of me what this song sounds like until I put it on. Um, it just, I don't know why I could not get it in my brain. I also got some D plan vibes from this one a little bit though, on the verses, especially, uh, it almost sounded like something where, uh, I think it's Travis Morrison, right? Is that the lead singer of disarmament plan where he does that I sort of spoken so. word thing he would do sometimes. Like yeah. it almost felt like he'd be <laughs> doing that over the verse part, but yeah, it just felt too conventional for this band and not catchy enough to warrant the conventionality of it. It just didn't have anything to grab me. I think this song works well enough. Um, the I'm, I'm taken by how poppy the, the intro is, you know, it could almost, you know, with a few turns of a couple dials, it could be a Heim song. Uh, <laughs> Don't you dare. Well, in, in, in the best, you know, in the best way in, in, in a, an interesting uh, pop song uh, sort of way. I, I do think this track has a lot of good ideas that, that it may not stick the landing on. Um, the chorus is good, but it, it, it kind of, I, it kind of meanders a little bit. And I think that might be part of the uh, uh, part of w- what they're going for. Um, it's kind of an a- asymmetric phrase. Um, I I do really like. Uh, there's just kind of a two bar transition um, into the. I guess it would be the the chorus. Um, 
into the in, into the chorus the uh dig just a little bit the camp is uh is vast asleep uh i i love the transition into that it's just a great little uh little guitar pair of guitar notes that that um kind of tie disparate pieces together uh in a way that that i think works uh but but overall yeah it, it's it's kind of a middle of the pack song yeah i think this uh might just be at the drive-ins poppiest and conventional is a good word uh i think josh used their poppiest and conven- most conventional song ever um <laughs> And I know you may be thinking, hey, Blake loves pop. He must love this song. But uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't love this song. Uh, there wasn't a lot for me to grab onto. Uh, not all that memorable to me, other than I remember it sounding like it It uh, could have been a, a more conventional uh, pop rock band. And it had a it had a half timey bridge, kind of that kind of emo sort of trope. Other than that, no, I got nothing. So let's move on to the next track, A Devil Among the Tailors. Matt, got to watch out for the tailors. Hey! <laughs> oh. So this is kind of a strange track, um, but I think this track's almost all about, like, attitude. The attitude is just this very, like, I don't care what you kind of think of me kind of vibe I get from it. It has almost an electronic feel to the drums at the beginning. Um, The song Mm -hmm. is very post-hardcore sounding, I think. Uh, The lyrics summon visions of John F. Kennedy uh communism and possible uh cuban missile crisis and i really like the main guitar riff and i like those dissonant sounds and i like just its attitude of just like you know this isn't a this isn't a uh a, a track for uh casuals i w- i would say um <laughs> and i no i appreciate that allowed. about this song um i just think it's it's not a top tier at the drive-in song but i just like that it's so heavy and it's simple and it's kind of mean and it's just a weird kind of out of character uh from what we've heard so far and i and i kind of like that edge that they're going with i don't i don't think maybe it particularly lands i think it'll land better with uh some songs on the via ep maybe um but uh i don't dislike this song at all uh, but it's not top tier logan you said uh electronic stuff with the beat i i put hip-hop kind of thing with the beat i i think we're probably alluding to a similar thing there though uh with some of the the rhythms on this one uh, I would put this in my forgettable camp ultimately as well. Like ones I, I kind of um, lose the lose track of a little bit. Uh, it does. I agree with you. It is all that attitude, and and it does move. It has enough going on to kind of move it a little bit up in my book, but still, ultimately, I, I could not tell you what this one sounded like until I put it back on. I do want to point out, though, we get more Spanish lyrics on this one. Um, like we did on some earlier tracks. So Cedric is dipping into the the Spanish language a little more. I I think this song is kind of 
it's kind of doing two different things, and, I, and I'm not sure if they work together. Uh, the funded, funded, funded uh, part, I think that works great. Uh, I, I love how one guitar is kind of staying on the same note as the bass, and, and, I, and probably the other guitar are, are, are changing, um, you know, just kind of a, a good interplay there. Um, I think the verse is a little bit weaker, but I do like the... Um, uh, the line about the uh, we heard the mu- the mug shots a Patsy inclined uh, just kind mm-hmm. of a uh, a play yeah. on Patsy Klein uh, yeah and also you know a, a Patsy like somebody going down f- for uh, for a crime right um, I I hear a lot of you know and and I'm I'm a broken record <laughs> on uh, on this band but I I hear a lot of El Minotaur in this song uh, mm. you know. So I'm, I I can imagine them them kind of you know listening to uh, to this track and and hearing that and and that that Rage Against the Machine that growling bass is back on the funded uh, genius has it down as as the chorus uh, the funded 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 line so uh, but but overall yeah I'd say this is you know uh, pretty forgettable. I have a little bit different take. I think this song whips a little ass. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> for me, um, I it, it couldn't be forgettable to me because here's why it had me hooked uh, from beat one. It's a drum machine. And I'm like, hang on, drum machine. <laughs> Your ears and perk up in my at the drive in. Um, <laughs> and I like the way it goes back and forth uh, between drum machine and, re- and real drum. I'll, I'll, I'd like to know what they were using exactly. It's a strange kind of lo-fi synth drum sound. I want to know what they were what they were doing. I, I got Idiotech um, vibes a little bit. Yeah, kind of Idiotech kinda, before Idiotech. Yeah, yeah, because it has that long decay, really white noisy snare, and that uh, I think uh, Josh said hip hop because it's like a deep ass eight oh eight bass that's just like that subwoofer boom. Um, great angst on this song and that gnarly i called it a gnarly chord that dissonant chord um it, it, it's got attitude and angst I, I, yeah. I really like it i i also love the bridge chord progression or whatever the part is it starts about a minute 38 i have a critique um i i think if they were going to go full they were going to go the full not the full idiotech but um, back and forth between fake drums and real drums, uh, they they strike me as a band that that doesn't use a uh, a click track ever um, at this point at least. Uh, but there's kind of a disconnect between the the tempo that the I don't know if they're sequencing or hand playing the synth drum. I think if they could have mapped that out to match a little better, it would have fallen into place and and been a a much better song. Um, other than that, I. I I dig it. Uh, it kind of bangs. All right. Well, you don't want to end up in surgery uh, for the next song, uh, "Shaking Hand Incision." So I like this song. Um, the opening riff and how the drums work together, I, I find that really amazing. I like the whispered part. Uh, really adds a mystique to the song, and I think 
that the song benefits from that. It's not top tier, uh, but I don't think it's forgettable or bad necessarily. Um, those never agains that Cedric screams, uh, those are really cool. Um, there's a really weird part towards the end that's just there for like a bar or so, and I think that sounds uh, really strange. Uh, it's a very dynamic song. I like kind of the the back and forth between the quiet, loud, quiet um, arpeggios, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I think it's a it's a cool cool track it's not one i would skip um but it's not one that i get super excited about yeah i i don't have a ton to say about this one um i will mention this has the lowest spotify plays of the entire album so this seems to be the one of, mm. of if we're going democratically or democratically here like group consensus <laughs> seems to be um this is not the the best uh i i didn't like it too much either i do want to use this opportunity to point out that the drums on this whole album blake mentioned it earlier are just so good uh however they recorded them they're just very crisp the snare tone is great I, i don't know what they did but i just love the drum sound and this song in particular kind of exemplifies that in some ways because he's doing that that drum roll um on parts of it um as we heard there but yeah i don't have a ton to say about this one this song works for me um i like the guitar tones i they they do kind of more of those clean arpeggios that uh that i really like um in the in the clip that you played uh the clean arpeggio over that that kind of that higher um you know dissonant tone uh, really, really works. Um, I like the, I like the vocals. I, I think it's a really good vocal performance. Um, you know, with, they do a lot of things, the, the whispery parts, I was getting big slint vibes on the, um, the, those kind of really quiet whispered parts, which, uh, you know, mm. which is always going to be a good thing, uh, in my book. Uh, I I've been working on a theory and, and I, I, I think I'm going to call it the big sky sound, uh, and, and I think this song has it, uh, big side, big sky, because it's kind of that, that not necessarily Seattle, but, but the Western, um, kind of dissonant post-rock, uh, I would, I would say modest mouses, uh, is in this group. I would say built to spills in this group. Um, I'm, I'm counting, I'm counting El Paso, uh, you know, close enough geographically to kind of be in this group of you know, interesting kind of unconventional bands that, that, um, have a lot of interesting unconventional guitar tones and guitar sounds and guitar parts. Uh, and, and I think what you're hearing here is, is a part of that. I, th- I think patient zero for this might be, uh, meat puppets. I, I think meat puppets is, uh, is kind of an early, uh, er- early adopter of, of, of this, um, this sound that I've been thinking about, but, but I, I really like this song. I think it really works. Matt invented a, jo- a genre folks. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it here fo- first. Um, this song was not all that memorable to me other than I will always remember that this is the track with the most frantic drums. That's the only adjective that, that comes to mind. The drum part throughout most of this song is absolutely frantic and um in, in a good way it do, it sounds great um this is a i talked about the the tingly rides that were so awesome on the their first lp and this is a different drummer of course but uh, that is that is back again of course lots of huge like logan said dynamic shifts 
loud, quiet, loud going on. I wanted to know what he was whispering. It was kind of unnerving. Um, and at toward the end, I could have sworn I heard a theremin. I might have been imagining things. I don't know if anyone else did. Yeah. Hmm. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah, I was thinking some, some keyboard. We had some something. weird like ghost thing growing up that was motion censored and would go, Woo <laughs> Yeah. It, the theremin, it's, right? It sounded I I know like that. that uh to me i remember those yeah uh anyway i i can hear it now <laughs> well <Ooh>. moving on <laughs> lopsided this is the action of the half-hearted land does it all make sense now and if the ship was built in Honestly, guys, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, this song really capture, captured me uh, lyrically, even at a young age. Like, So I had this album when I was 17. Um, oh God, this is such a great track. It, I feel like it showcases a lot of what At The Drive-In has to offer. Uh, it, it's missing a couple of elements like, you know, gym keyboards um, or something. But I think uh, Jeremy Ward's outro works really well for me i think that kind of starts leading them into more of an experimental mm. uh, approach and uh lends itself to more exploration for what we'll hear in the future from them i, I i'll be honest this is one of those things that i had like written on the front of my notebook at school like you know, th <laughs> this is the anthem of the half-hearted land does it all make sense now you know just so angsty like I just really always gravitated towards this song a lot. But yeah, what do you guys think? I I agree wholeheartedly. This is uh probably my favorite track on the album. Doesn't mean it's my banger, but it is my favorite track on the album and I uh this is on the best of as well. So this is one oh, I'm pretty familiar with. Good. Yeah, so I, I was familiar with this one coming into it, and this was another one like Napoleon Solo that I played a lot uh, when I first got that best of. So I I definitely like this one. I actually started by putting We're Back Baby on this one because after the three <laughs> tracks that I feel like were kind of uh, not very memorable, you've got this one, which is arguably one of the best at the drive-in songs. Um, I don't know. Everything comes together on this one just so perfectly. The one thing I did really appreciate about this and, and other at the drive-in songs as well is if you take a step back and you were to strip away all of Cedric's vocals and lyrics and then think about how you would approach a vocal melody for this song, it's so hard. Like I was thinking about the way that verse sounds like I don't know 
as someone who has written vocal melodies and lyrics, like if I were to just hear that music, I would not be able to come up with a good vocal melody. Like I would want to just, cause it's such a distinctive rhythm and guitar part that I would just probably try to follow that. But Cedric takes this whole other direction and it really, really works. Um, so I don't know. There's one other thing, by the way, I want to mention about this one, but I'm going to wait because I want to see if Matt mentions it because it's <laughs> a it is a Matt tastic part that as soon as I heard it, I thought if Matt doesn't pick up on this and love it, I'm going to be a little a little broken hearted. So uh, Matt, why don't you uh, share your thoughts and then I want to see if you if you picked up on this one thing as well. Hold oh, yourself man. up to the flames. Uh, putting there, some Matt. pressure, putting a little pressure on you, but, but it, it's something it's something that you will like I, I think you'll 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 pick up on it but go ahead uh i i like this song um i think maybe not as much as uh as everybody else um i think it works i do think it comes together i and i think just a little bit of the weakness of the verse kind of right off the bat it, uh might be what kind of makes me not be a hundred percent on board um i love the chorus uh, and, and and it may be the the triplet on the chorus that that you're referring to, Josh. I'm I'm thinking through the different parts of this song that that, that might be uh, what you're which, talking which about. Which part specifically on the chorus? Oh, no, like uh, the Tropic of Cancer answer drink the uh, the quicksand. It, Where, is it the little symbol hit? The little like does that boom bing. As, yeah, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, Matt will love that. Yeah, that is no, a I, Matt thing right there. Why is that specifically a Matt I, thing? Because, okay, here's what it is. His little symbol dings. Be- Matt Taylor, duh. <laughs> because I know how much Matt, I know how much Matt loves that part in the Slipknot song. <laughs> where they do the same <laughs> thing. That one Slipknot song. Uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, the, duality. My fingers You're correct. Two, I don't duality do, does do, a similar do, do, thing. Do, do, when it do, does that do, like, do, 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 do. Yeah. When it, yes, when it does mats. a dun 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 chang dun dun chang, and Matt loves that, and so I heard We're this and I thought this Matt. is a similar thing. Matt's gonna love it, so that's why I thought Matt would love that one part. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly like slip. <laughs> <laughs> that kicks ass though. <laughs> I love that uh, riff. I, I think I think the chorus. I, I think they're back in the big skies. Uh, um, yes. You know, with, with that kind of twinkly guitar tone. Um, that really works for me, uh, and, and I I love this. The uh, if your map was torn, navigate, navigate screams. Though those really uh, really work for me. Um, so I, I think this is this is a great song that that maybe needed one more edit on, on the verse for me. Well, what are you referring to yeah, in the I, verse? That I, the I, I have I have thoughts on that. <laughs> I have thoughts. Maybe I'll maybe I'll articulate what what these what these jokers were thinking. But uh, first of all, I really like the song. Uh, I think it's one of the strongest ones. It's really good. Um, this, uh, I love the chord progression on the verse. That is, I'm trying to think of the adjective. Uh, it's apprehensive and, and moody. And then it leads into a very pretty chorus. I think what Josh was perhaps getting at when he said he would have strip the vocals away you'd have trouble thinking up what am i going to sing on this verse i believe the verse is an uneven number of measures it's definitely so, something asymmetrical yeah. going on 
so it, we have a three four time and uh yeah an asymmetrical uneven verse so it's weird to fit syllables into there uh cedric figures it out somehow there's something so familiar about that chord progression i think it's something very 90s and i wanted to know if you guys picked up on it i i feel like it sounds like somebody is it the goo goo dolls um (laughs) I I, I know that um, we've already went over this. It's It's either Goo Goo Dolls or man, it's 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 there's a sense of nostalgia just to those chords. Just I know there's this December's December song. I believe it's called When the War Came, and it has similar uh, chords. I I know what you're talking about. I could I could hear that. Yeah, right. Yeah, these angular syncopated chords. That December's song, to be fair, came way after this, so. Yeah, well, the Decembers were were ripping off out the drive-in, um, and it. I think it's also got a very uneven, um, uneven beat to it, uh, which was interesting. Um, anyway, I just I just really like the lopsided. Song. It's one of their prettiest songs. Maybe that's why there's something asymmetrical, lop- ah, lopsided. Yeah. You, you know what? That because is lopsided even in the lyrics? Maybe that's where the title comes from. I also I I like that it has an ambient noise intro and it has that interesting uh, weird noisy keyboard outro. Was uh, I I was curious what were those voices in the background? Uh, they're always doing something to creep creep me out with background <laughs> voices. Spooking, yeah, you. I dig it. Oh, speaking of yep. getting creeped out, I'm, I just want to tell this real quick thing. Uh, Jeremy Ward, who does <laughs> so, he in Mars Volta, he was basically their sound manipulator, but he'd perform off stage. Yeah. Um, but I saw some clip from some video, and I it it shows him for a second, and it's really quick. But it looked like his eyes were rolling in the back of his head, and he was like going to another fucking <laughs> world. Like I don't know what was going on. Like it scares it. Like I'm legitimately afraid. I've tried to look up more stuff about him, like or footage oh. of him or anything oh to see God. like what in context was happening in that one clip that I've seen. But it creeps me out every time I see it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Mars Vol- Mars Volta creepy pasta. By, by the way, I, real quick, talking about the Goo Goo Dolls thing, I just thought about how funny it would be if uh, they were getting ready to practice one day and they had like written the music for this, and Cedric came and he's like, "I wrote this new song called Name," and he like starts playing it's the most straightforward, like you know, and I don't know your name. And they're just like, "Wow, is this a new direction we're going, Cedric?" He's just like, "Get the fuck out of here!" I wrote it on my acoustic guitar, guys. I really think it's to go well. I don't know. Oh. It was funny in my head. All right. Well, moving watching, on. moving on and watching time, we are now at Hourglass. So I think this is a fantastic gym song. Uh, the piano and keys really elevate it. Lyrics are much more straightforward. 
I wonder if he's feeling isolated from the rest of the group or if this is like a past memory for him. I don't know what a glory box is, though. Uh, Maybe it's like a box for (laughs) odds and ends or special keepsakes, maybe. I don't know. Uh, When I'd watched the Bill Lowry Let's Get Real, uh, there's a part where Jim mentions going to church or having past experiences growing up, and I wonder if with the stained glass Sunday school charade is referring to some of his mm-hmm. church experiences. And I think I've always subliminally tied the lyrics to my own experiences. Um, and definitely being 17 years old guy that felt isolated and dreamt of going to space to escape. Like this song always really landed with me. Yes. The, the emo, is, you know, is just really setting in here and, and it just grabs you by the, Grabs you by the guts and just, you know, takes you along for the ride. And I, I'll gladly go along. So I, I started off, my first note for this one is inject it into my veins. Um, <laughs> I, I thought this was going to be the song that you were going to talk about being Oh, like, yeah. This is a oh, Josh is this the one? song. Oh, hell yeah. I guessed uh, it. Jim this, Ward this one, fandom as I, begins. As I texted you guys, I said, I am surprised I had not heard yeah. this earlier. Um, given... Uh, my affinity for this this era of emo music. Uh, I'm surprised I had not heard this one because this is like a quintessential early 2000s emo, second wave emo Jim. Um, Jim spelled G-E-M, by the way, um, not like the lead singer. Uh, I, I don't really have a ton to say about why I like it as much as I do that can articulate it beyond what Logan said. I just, I do love this one quite a bit. I, I did want to mention one thing about this one that I think helps with my my love of it, at least at this point in my life. Because I think if I would have found this one when I was 17, Logan, then yeah, I would have loved it then as well. I think part of the reason I like it so well now is um, a few years back when all the uh, revelations about uh, Jesse Lacey, lead singer of Brand New, came out uh there was a break my heart again (laughs) there was an article on pitchfork media of all places that was sort of taking to task that whole second wave emo genre of bands for having pretty misogynistic uh lyrics and at the time when i read that this was probably three or four years ago i remember at first kind of being like bristling at it a little bit because i love that music so much but then really coming around to be like, nah, they're right. Like <laughs> there is a fair amount of uh, almost like proto in seldom in some of those <laughs> lyrics of like, you know, and, and I don't know, there's a whole lot going on there that I, we don't have time to get into, but it's basically suffice to say, it's nice to find a song that fits within that same mode of second wave emo that does not have lyrics that make me go like, Ugh, why I cannot listen to that, <laughs> you know, that aren't about yeah. something that yeah. makes me kind of cringe, um, which is, is hard to find sometimes with, with uh, some of those bands from that era. But yeah, yeah. I, I love this one. So it should it should be mentioned really quick that and they've gone on to talk about this a lot in interviews. They're very uh, against misogynistic types of groups and testosterone filled like you know new metal and stuff like that. They they really kind of uh, look down their noses on and and find that music yeah. to be sexist and, I, and, and misogynistic. I mention... And uh, so at the drive-in is very yeah. much. Uh, I feel like on the right side of that. 
Yeah, and, and I should mention that a lot of those bands, it's not like every band of that era was that way. You know, Saves the Day has plenty of songs that have nothing to do with that. Uh, Jimmy World have plenty of songs. And I think the bands that have kind of lasted don't have that tendency. But uh, if you have a chance to look up that article from Pitchfork Media, I don't remember what it's called now, but I'm sure if you just type in Pitchfork Emo <laughs> misogyny, misogyny, you'll find it. Um, and it's a really good read just because it really opened my eyes at the time. But yeah, there are quite a few bands of that era that that had songs that fit in that, um, you know, that tone. Definitely. I'll keep it quick. Uh, this song is good. Uh, the, I, I like the piano parts. I like there's a lot of suspended fourth and suspended second chords, uh, both in the piano part and in the uh, the guitar parts that come in, you know, kind of towards the end um, that really work well. Uh, definitely there's earnesty here and it's it's earned and and executed in a way that's not kind of, you know, saccharine. Um, so I I I I think it works. Uh, I'm glad it's on there. It's definitely kind of a departure from what is on the rest of the the album, but I still think it works within within this uh, within the album. Um, you know, both it sounds like it should be there uh, on a sonic level. So I like it. Yeah, uh, no misogyny here. He just <laughs> wants to be an, an astronaut. astronaut. Yeah, <laughs> and when he's when Jim screams, I wish I was an astronaut. I was like, fuck yeah, I am here. Here for it, King. I know. Because, um, like, I wished that I was an astronaut when I was yeah. seven. But, I mean, I grew out of it. But, you know, there's a nostalgia there. Uh, one of these songs is definitely not like the others. This is <laughs> this song definitely stands out as, as not, not being like the other at the drive-in songs. But um, I I think it still works. There's a a one-two punch of like very pretty and good songs with lopsided and then hourglass right after it. It's it's a hell of a one-two, uh, a pretty punch to the face. Um, yeah, the the piano I I dig it. It's all it's all been said. I I really like hourglass. Now we're down to the last one, transatlantic foe. <laughs> All right, this is a pretty decent song. Um, I think it harkens to their back to their past. It sounds more in the vein of like acrobatic tenement to me, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I feel like this album mainly brings at the drive-ins a game with newfound focus. So hearing some callbacks is good for business, I'm sure. Uh, the lyric "pet sounds filling pet peeve voids," interesting lyric. I wonder if that's a Beach Boys reference. Mm. Better not be looking at my little sweet it's boy, gotta be. angel voice, Carl. Uh, I think... <laughs> don't uh, touch Carl. Carl, sweet voice, don't you dare talk bad about Carl. Angel boy. Not Carl, man. <laughs> Mike Love, though. Not Carl. Mr. Burns. He's he's so <laughs> tough. He's Pr- so tough. Not Carl. Homer's the prank monkey, and he throws the thing at Lenny. Yeah. He's like, not my eyeball. I gotta keep it. I gotta keep it. Gotta keep it dry. The doctor told me not to get sand in it. <laughs> Throws it at Carl. Carl, what are you doing, man? Not Carl. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but I, I think Hourglass would have been maybe a better closer. But I, th- I still think this is a good song. Uh, I, I think it does sound kind of like older at the drive-in, though. I, this album is very like a almost like a valley for me because it starts so strong and I feel like it ends so strong and then just got those kind of those three songs that I don't really like that are kind of there uh, in the middle. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I I I could see Hourglass being the closer. I, I do like this one though quite a bit, and I feel like it ends. Um, ends the album very well. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say. I, I think it's a, a very good track. can get kind of lost here at the end of the album, um, which can sometimes be kind of a dumping ground um, on, on albums to put songs. Um, but I, I don't know. I like this one. I, I got not a lot to say here. I think it works great. I, I kind of view it as a, as a bookend with Alpha Centauri. I, I think they have kind of yes. similar energies. Um, and I've, I've, wanted to mention this throughout there there's several songs that really kind of have a major key i mean they're in a major key they but but they the fact that they're in a major key you know really kind of brightens and and, and sweetens uh what could otherwise be a pretty um not morose necessarily, but, you know, a kind of a, a, a serious subject matter. And we'd mentioned them touring with, with rage. Uh, it's almost, you know, these guys can do a lot of what rage does. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know that, that they're, it's, it's fair to, you know, really do direct comparisons, but, but they have a gear and a, and a sense of melody and that, that I don't know that, 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 that rage does, or, or at least in the, in the way that, that, um, in what rage, rage is recorded. And I think it's, um, it's interesting to kind of hear how those, those elements kind of incorporate more with emo and with, with these, these more, uh, melodic sensibilities that, um, that at the drive-in brings, I think it's a great album closer. Um, I love the, I love the guitar parts, I love the you know we're we're back in the big sky. We got the jangles uh, on the uh, on the choruses. Um, it, it really it really it leaves you feeling good about what you just listened to. Yeah, it in it ends on a on a, a major key triumphant uh, note. So it's less uh, less moody and more more of that Andrew WK type energy. Um, th- this song and the first song are in a similar vein where they're they're very energetic songs they're also not my favorite songs on the album but they work well as bookends to the album and also i i feel like we've we've been talking about this with with several albums uh there's a song that feels like it's supposed to be the closer hourglass but then the band is like and here's an extra one just to punch you in the face on its way out (laughs) um and that's transatlantic foe And, and you know that I'm not mad at him for it. It's kind of fun. Uh, very, very upbeat, triumphant way to end the album. The the drum drum work on this song in particular, I, I thought was awesome, um, and and great energy on it. Didn't hold my attention as as much as some of the other bangers, which we'll get to. But yeah, ends it well. All right. Well, we made it. Woo! Yay! Uh, Looks like we made it. So yeah, I love this album. I, it really shows many improvements in songwriting, execution, and exploration. I think this should be considered essential at the drive-in. 
not much else to say about it for me on that i scored this i liked 10 out of the 11 tracks uh giving it a 91 percent or 4.5 valmaras I uh I liked eight out of the eleven, so it's just those three tracks that I really didn't like very much in the middle. Um, so when I kind of took that into a, a five point scale here, I came up with four out of five little arcades where the poltergeists play their video games, <laughs> which I think might be one of the highest I've given. I think I gave Nevermind a higher one, but. Uh, and unplugged probably. Um, but this is up there. I mean, as far as the stuff we've listened to, I would put this, um, in, in a higher column for sure. I was very impressed by this record. Um, didn't know what to expect going in. I, I had liked aerobic tenement, but really was blown away. Um, they just, the, 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 the production, the songwriting, you know, the tones, the, everything has has taken a you know taken a full step up uh from from their previous even from uh from the ep and and i just think it really works uh for me um i i I would say that it is four full uh satellite dish antennae yeah um i definitely enjoyed it it i think it's head and shoulders above uh acrobatic tenement my favorite that we've heard from at the drive-in so far. Uh, I still, I want to give them room to grow. So I gave it three and a half satellites out of five. Matt kind of took, took my thunder on that. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. So, um, I, okay. 3.5 astronauts. That works. All right. Let's move on to. <laughs> All right. There is no doubt for me what the banger is. And that is Chanbara. Seconded. I also put Chambara. Nice. Alpha Centauri's my banger. It come comes wow. out of the gate hot. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Blake. Um I I decided to break all the rules this this time around for this album. Um because I had trouble choosing. I get I'm given two bangers, and they are pickpocket and a devil among the tailors. Wow, huh. devil among the tailors. That's a I deep, think that's, that's a cool bangs, it, man. It is a, it's I, a deep cut, not for casuals. It, I love the angst it's on good, it. It's good though. I love the inter- No, it's not for filthy casuals, <laughs> it's for hardcore fans like me. Don't sleep on Oh, don't sleep on lopsided. That shit is fire. Mhm. Mhm. I agree that it is fire. I didn't put it for my don't sleep on it because I, I feel like it is at least moderately well-known. I, I obviously wanted to go with Hourglass, but I realize that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I will say if you were into second wave emo, early 2000s, uh, check out Hourglass. I yeah. went with Transatlantic Foe just because I think it can get kind of really? glossed over. It's at the very end. You can just kind of huh. end early, but it is worth listening to. Geopolitics are important. Uh, you got to be aware of your enemies. <laughs> Matt's on a different podcast now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm, He's on I'm Trill sorry. Workers Party. Matt simultaneously doing two, two podcasts. <laughs> uh no, tra- Transatlantic Foe uh, is, is my don't sleep on it. You know, it's the last track. Uh, you you got to get there though, because c- it's it's definitely worth it. It, it brings the uh, it brings the energy. 
Uh, I also gave don't, two Don't Sleep on it. Um, I can't choose between Lopsided and Hourglass. They both deserve Don't Sleep on it status. Good choices. So, unfortunately, it's time to move on to... Oh, this is easy for me. It is skip for now we toast. That's a that's a good one. I went with shaking hand incision from for my skip it. Um of those those few I didn't like, it was the the one I I felt the least about. I I feel like this is going to be a pretty controversial opinion. Oh uh, shit. Here it comes. <laughs> I, oh god. I if you say I'm Napoleon gonna... I think I'm gonna skip Napoleon Solo. I, oh, you're I mean, fucking you, wrong. Man. Heartless, so <laughs> Heartless. wrong. There's an incorrect. There's an incorrect answer here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a person. This is a personal insult. I know Although, where my least, my foe I, is I like now. My foe is so. on the other side of this uh, microphone here. <laughs> I do like some other songs. Though, so I mean, it's there. But Napoleon Solo, come on, that's quintessential. What do you not like about Seriously? Napoleon Solo? You just doesn't do it for you. All right, let's yeah, not litigate just, the shit you know. out of this. You hate Napoleon. <laughs> I, I, apparently, Napoleon Solo was a, a character from the Man from Uncle, uh, which <laughs> was just kind of a kind of a weird side note on it. Um, I I just I don't know. Over all those other it, it's songs, a little bit, it's a little that... bit long. It, you would rather listen to Shaking All right. Hand Incision? Okay. Yeah, I don't. All right. Shaking All right. Hand Incision we, almost okay, we, don't sleep on it. Wait, we can't. We, we yeah. Blake, we what's yours? For now, dot, 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 we skip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yep. And finally. Cover. Oops, that's not. <laughs> that's <laughs> wrong. One. Why is that still on there? It's wistful. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and finally. It's so much better. <laughs> oh, man. I'd cover Hourglass. I think that'd be fun. I want to scream like, Ooh, I'd, I'd like to scream, uh, I'd like to be an astronaut. That'd be fucking rad. Yeah. That, that's a good one. I went with Lopsided just because I think it would be fun to learn, like all the intricacies of it. Oh, that'd be hard. Uh, it would take a lot. Would it be fun probably or would fu- it be torture? Probably fuck it up, but it would still be fun to try. Yeah, you you'd think it was fun for about five minutes. <laughs> you'd be like, Fuck this. Uh, uh, we got to cover hula hoop wounds. There, I mean, sure. On the roof, I said. You, you damn right. <laughs> Back and forth vocals. Um, I have two covers. Surprise! We're covering pickpocket, and just to punish you all and torture you, I'm going to make you cover a devil among tailors. So I doubled up on that one. I think the what does nice. he say like sweet as honeycomb or like something like honeycomb. I think that part got stuck yeah. in my head for like a day and a half, where I kept just repeating that in my head for some reason. It was an, that, it was there where devil among tailors isn't that? I think I think you're right. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to think devil among <laughs> Taylor. Yeah, that's the one that's like it starts off with the electronic, you know, drum machine and the funded, funded, and funded. then he's like sweet as honeycomb. And then you hear that like in the background. Yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah, it'd be fun to do the uh, the synth drums and the and the real drums. But yeah, cool. All right. Well, what's well, what's up next? So next, we're, uh, we're going to be talking about the Via EP and Relationship of Command, their full length. So that will be next episode. Um, 
Where can you find us to listen to, Josh? Well, you can find us on all major streaming platforms as well as moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Follow us on Twitter at DiscographPod. And you can follow me. I am MIT54321 and Edward James Almost. We are on Instagram at More of That Presents. Please join. We are also on YouTube, and you can find some of my music and projects on Logan Williams Music on YouTube. Um, check out other podcasts on the Aux Podcast Network. That's AUX. And if you like us and wish to support us, uh, go to patreon.com slash auxaudio where you can give us support as well as get access to um, extra materials and our Discord channel where you can um, have fun uh, conversations about our shows. You ever wanted to talk to Josh Arnett? Get that Discord. You can talk he's, to Josh. Hey, he's on there. <laughs> he's you on wanna, there. <laughs> I love I love great memes. You want to share memes back and forth? I can meme all day. Let's let's do this. All right. And tonight's outro music is brought to you by Nathaniel Carroll and the Party Line and their new song Wheeze off the American Covidiot EP that he's released. Nathaniel's a good buddy of mine that I grew up with. He was in my band Fatherton. Uh, he even asked me to play guitar on this track, so I I put some stuff down, and uh, yeah, I'm really happy with how, how it turned out. So that's if you want to check his stuff out, it's at www.ncpartyline.com. Once again, thank you for listening, liking, downloading, subscribing sharing, reviewing, following, and supporting. This has been another episode of More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where the shackles underneath our beds haunt the records in their grooves. And as always, don't forget to listen to music.
Vox Audio.